Hello and welcome to the Jackcast, your Swansea City podcast. I'm Matt Barocon and joined as ever by Steve Carroll. Evening, Steve. Evening. Well, we promised you a special guest for tonight's second part of the weekly podcast. And here he is. Good evening, Michael Duff. I'm joking, I'm joking. Uh, unfortunately, our guest couldn't make it this evening. So it is just me and Steve uh, going to be talking you through the games that we need to catch up on. And, uh, well, we may as well talk a little bit more about the manager talk. We're 24 hours further on from when we recorded last time. A few front runners have taken an early pace at the front. So we'll chat about that. And, of course, we'll have to talk the Rotherham game coming up on the weekend, which Alan Sheehan is currently going to preside over. So, Steve, let's go back, first of all, to Michael Duff, to what turned out to be his penultimate game at home in front of the home crowd against Hull, a two-all draw. Yeah, um, bit of a strange game, wasn't it, the Hull game? I mean, um, you know, it was quite a dull start to the game. We've scored from our first two chances, really, haven't we? Um you know, Patterson with a, a lovely finish and then obviously the follow-up uh, from a rebound for Yates. But, I mean, up until that point, I didn't think we were playing particularly well. But um, thought we we actually ended the, the first half very strongly. Then after that, we were the dominant side. We could have gone further in front, really, if we're honest. But um, we were made to pay, weren't we, um, for not taking those chances. And obviously, look back now and think that if we had and we'd won the game, then Duff would probably still have had a bit more time, wouldn't he? But, um, yeah, we were not so good in the second half, to say the least, were we? Well, the thing is, I know the old cliche in football is 2-0 is a dangerous scoreline. And whether you believe that or not, the one message that has to be reverberating through the, those changing room walls at half time is just keep it tight for the first 10 minutes of the second half. Just make sure, because Hull are going to come out and they're going to know it's do or die for them. They're going to make sure they throw everything at us. Make sure you keep it tight for 10 minutes. Sting the, take this thing out the initial threat and then we can start building back into the game again happens hundreds of games of football all season long through the country so conceding a few minutes after half time is a massive sucker punch to us yeah hugely I mean it was um, like you say the, you've got to try and keep things tight of new most certainly you know the opposition are already on the back foot they may well have had a rocket at half time and they'd be thinking right if we can get a goal back quickly here then there'd be a decent chance to get back into the game and um that's what they did. And then I was followed by another And I thought Hull played quite well in the second half. They were definitely worth a point, to be fair. And um, that was that was disappointing. I mean, we were targeting a win from that game, I would say. I mean, I don't think a draw is a terrible result in general. But at the same time, when you've been 2-0 up, it is a bad result. You can't look at it another way. So, But, you know, when you've not played particularly well, it did almost feel like a point gained overall. That, that was, you know sort of says it all for how we played in the second half really it was disappointing and you know that that run then of just one win in six carries on and you just think that you know there's a lot of pressure then going into that game it leads on their game that we were never expecting to get anything from yeah I think a lot of people were saying oh it's not a bad point against Hull and thinking the thing is it depends you know if you're considering us the the whipping boys of the division they're not a point against Hull isn't a bad um, result. They're not the worst team by any stretch, but it's a very winnable game and it's at home. Now, I know home form's left a lot to be desired, but there'll always be the games you have to target for your points. And I always think, were you, what sort of games are you targeting to win? Because if we go away and we lose a game, you're going to say, ah, oh, well, we were away at the end of the day. We can't expect to win then. And likewise, if you are 
ruling out Hull at home as a winnable game and saying, oh, just it's a good point gained, then you, you're literally ruling it down to about three or four teams in the whole division at home that you could win. 12 points for the season isn't going to keep you up. It's certainly not going to get you to the reaches of the division, which they're only to. So, yeah, I mean, at, at this point, this we've obviously only won two of our first nine home games. So put that over a season, you're only going to win five. That's not going to keep you up as I wouldn't have thought. I mean, you'd be relying on um, you know very good away form plus maybe a, a low points total. So, you know, I think there were some positives from that, that Hull game um, you know, from the first half. But the, the problem is when, when these issues mount up over a period of time, then, you know, it's hard to overlook them. You're not looking in isolation just at one game. We're looking at several. And, um, you know, again, it's not good enough. We've not picked up enough points at home. And that was, you know, a golden opportunity, really, with uh, us being two in front. And, and we blew it, didn't we? The thing is, you've got a week of two, well, I class, winnable home games and an away game no one expects to get anything from. So, you know, you want to identify those home games really as, as as your chance of picking up some points and you start off that week then with um, throwing away a two goal lead it kind of deflates and we've had enough deflation already so pressure was mountain going to Allen Road then midweek um, not going to be an easy place for anyone to go to this season they're expected to be fighting at the top for promotion back to the Premier League and um after a bit of a crazy opening minutes, ones find themselves one 0 up. I don't really know what to say about that um, opening minute. I mean, might be the craziest I've ever seen at a, a, any game, let alone a Swans game. I mean, for Dan James to tap the ball home after about forty seconds, and you're then thinking, "Oh, this could be an unbelievably long night." And obviously, of course, it had to be one of our former players. But um, yeah, we've gone up the other end. It was a bit of a defensive mistake, and then. Patterson finds himself in. If I'm honest, I thought that it wasn't a great shot to start with, but it, it dipped very late, and it was an inspired finish, really, wasn't it? So, yeah, I mean, it, it couldn't get better than that. I mean, you could never expect to score that early away from home, but um, you know, it's obviously going to be a very long time to see the game out if that's what you're going to try and do at that point. But um, we couldn't even see out a few minutes, could we? No, obviously, it's uh, it's printed money for anyone who's watched the Swans over the past. 15 years or so, at least, because um, once again, an old head comes back to haunt us. This time it's uh, Joe Pirro, um, barely two minutes later on the on the clock when he uh, strikes the equaliser and you're thinking, oh, there we go then. Yeah, exactly. It didn't take long. I mean, obviously we had one X1 putting the ball in the net. Luckily it didn't come, but then Pirro reminded us really of his supreme finishing, didn't he? And um you know, you're really, you're probably in a worse position there at 1-1 because, you know, the, the opposition have got the momentum rather than if it was still nil-nil, really. So, yeah, that, that wasn't great. Um, and, you know, look, it, these things should be fairly obvious when you've got a goal like that, especially in a, a game where, you know, you know you are going to be up against it, you're up against a better side, then you're thinking, well, we've got an advantage here. Just make sure whatever we do, do not give them any easy way back into this game and... You know, we did after a few minutes and that was disappointing. Um, and, you know, I, we then committed the other cardinal sin, really, of conceding just before half-time, which, you know... A long was, ball. Yeah, from well, such a soft goal, isn't it? I mean, it's it's literally, it's just a lump up the pitch, isn't it? You know, when they found themselves in, Humphreys doesn't carry cover himself in glory, really. A bit weak. And, yeah. Collins yeah. dropped. I mean... 
when he was playing alongside Darling, it just seemed to be striking up a really decent partnership there. And obviously that coincided with our good run of form, um, that only good run of form we've had. And you think, right, okay, we've actually got something to build on you. I, th- I think the drop in a Darling is for complete non-football reasons because it's inexplicable that one of our best players this season just finds himself on the bench every week. And Cabango uh, coming back from injury goes straight in and all of a sudden our defensive problems return. Now, not solely blaming that on Cabango, but the relationship there clearly isn't as isn't as airtight as it was with you know Darlin, and I think um, you know we've suffered as a result. And this is Humphrey's fault. Look, it's Humphrey's man. He's not strong enough. He's not watched the run, and when he comes to you know shoulder to shoulder, he lets him go. And you've just got to put enough pressure on him to make sure he doesn't get a clean shot and goal, and he doesn't do it. And you go in half time, all of a sudden two one down, and uh, and it's knocked the stuffing out of us, isn't it? Yeah, that's no, is exactly. I mean, I think we'll talk a bit more about Cabango with the the game from the other day against Huddersfield. But it, I think it was a strange decision, really, to recall him when you think that he was put back in just after an international break where he's been away with Wales and he's not played. And you're thinking, well, this is a strange one, really. And def- like I said, Ipswich, maybe we weren't great defensively, but you'd have to say in the Sunderland game before that. We obviously did very well and kept a, a clean sheet when we were under the cost for most of the game. So, yeah, a bit of um, a strange one there. But, yeah, look, I think with Humphreys, it's, it's the easy thing to say, inexperienced sometimes. And, you know, maybe you get up and down this with um, youngsters, but you should have done better there. It's, you know, he should be disappointed with that. And, um, you know, it was it was costly, wasn't it? I mean, from there, you know it's going to be a, an uphill task. And so it proved. The most annoying thing is we did all right in the rest of the first half, you know. Up until that point, I thought we were restricting leads um, and we create a massive amount. But, you know, we, we 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 did our part. And I think up until that moment, you're thinking we're still in this. Um, and then you do something like that on the stroke of half time, as you say. And uh, you go in, there's a different games, different team talk. And then you come out then and you've got that uphill task away to Leeds and... We've never seen to be one to do what, well, look, Hull did to us a few days earlier, you know, come out all guns blazing. We seem to start so sluggishly. And 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 that's always been that's been the case for some time with the Swans. I, I don't know why we we don't come out for the first 10, 15 minutes of a second half. And, you know, we weren't we were never going to come out all guns blazing the second half and punish Leeds. And to be honest with you, the second half was a bit of a stroll in the park. The third goal was a formality and that was just sealing the points and, of course, another former player was the one to get it. Yeah, I think in the end we were probably just waiting for the icing on the cake for Leeds with Joe Roden to, to add a fourth, really. But, yeah, look, in the second half we were poor. We were we were outclassed, really. I think that, that's the truth of it. But we, we didn't really hurt the opposition, did we? I think we rushed worth and made a couple of good saves. It probably could have been worse. And I think, realistically, it did turn out the way that um, we thought it would before the game, but having given ourselves, you know, a, a chance early on with with a very early goal, it's it's disappointing then that we we threw it away far too easily. I mean, I think we all expected a loss, as I say, but we we could have done better there. We we should have made it harder, and we should have had a bit of confidence from the fact that we'd scored so early. But unfortunately, we we didn't do that, and um, yeah, we uh, sunk to another loss. The thing that strikes me about it is. You take us back again now a few days to Hull and 
people saying after, well, I can't expect, you know, Hull are a good team. No, I, I get that. I get that Hull will themselves think that Swansea away is a very winnable game. But now we're looking at a draw and a defeat in three days. All the pressure, and so it proved, <laughs> pushed on to the Huddersfield game on the weekend. And uh, I don't want to use... It, it was just, I mean, stats will tell one story, I suppose. Um, we had an element of, um, a strong element of control of that Huddersfield game. But listen, when a team is struggling at the bottom and they go 1-0 up through an inexplicable own goal after like a minute or two, whatever it was, um, you're thinking then what they have, they hold. And uh, and they almost very nearly saw it out against us. So I don't think we come out of that game patting ourselves on the back either because that is just about as winnable a home game as you're going to get all season. Yeah, I think, I mean, Huddersfield probably would have come down here with the attitude of, right, we've had a really good win at Sunderland. And like any sort of result down here then to back that up would be brilliant. So I think conceding a bad goal like we did early on was, you know, it, it couldn't be worse really because they were always then, I think, going to do what they did, which is sit in. I think if you're playing someone else, like if you're playing Hull from the week before, I don't think they would have sat in like that. I think it would have been a bit more open and then I would have given you a better chance again into it. But I think Huddersfield, what they did wasn't surprising because I think when you score as early as that, probably a bit like we did at Leeds, my attitude was, um, as much as we shouldn't have gone had this one um, in terms of game plan, that if we still get a draw, it's a good result. And I think Huddersfield probably had that mindset a little bit of like, right, we'll just sit deep, we'll frustrate and we'll try and get something out of it, even if it's not a win. But, um, you know, we we dominated the ball, don't get me wrong here, but we looked like a team that didn't really know a huge amount to do with it. I mean, Duff did point after the game to the fact we had a lot of shots, which, yeah, okay, we did, but not many of them were particularly good chances. I mean, you know, there was, there was that nice bit of skill in the first half, wasn't there? I think they put Fulton in and, you know, the keepers yeah. made a good save, but there, there really wasn't much else of, of note to, you know, shout about. I didn't think. I thought a lot of the rest of it was, you know, more hopefulness or, you know, some sort of effort from a set piece or anything like that. There weren't many bits of good play in the game. Probably when we did eventually score, obviously right at the end, that was actually from a good move. But most of that was was few and far between. Really, it was a case of we had all the pressure, the territory, the possession but we didn't look like we had much of an idea of how to break it down. And I think the irony being that the one player that got the equaliser for us is somebody that, you know, from my point of view, should have played more minutes in the last few games and hasn't, certainly should have started on Saturday. Like, I could understand if he didn't at Leeds because it's not a game where you think you're going to dominate as uh, particularly, but I think that was sort of telling then as well. It was a strange decision and, you know, the fact that Patino sort of bailed us out you know, speaks volumes for the fact that it was the wrong move. But, um, you know, it, it was frustrating, wasn't it? Because, I mean, Huddersfield were awful, weren't they? Let's not make any bones about it. Yeah, they were. And that, I think that is, you know, under any other manager, you'd look back with Andrew it and say, you know, we, we, you know, if we were a good team and a good manager and stuff, you'd look at that and go, well, that is two massive points dropped there. I don't care how late we scored the equaliser. But, it just felt like it, it summed up where we're at. Um, there'd been question marks um, for, for quite some time now over whether he would be able to turn this around. Um, clearly some discontent in the camp and um, confusion. We know what we were trying to do out there. Um, 
and uh, seeing a performance where it did feel like you know you, you drop Darling, you drop Patino, and I'm thinking, well, these two, these two have been bright sparks in an otherwise dismal start to the season. So um, it did feel a little bit like, well, this this guy isn't really helping himself, and came out of Huddersfield, and I think we all agreed when we were speaking afterwards that uh, if he made it through Saturday night as a Swansea manager. Um, that would be a that would be a win for him. He did. He made it until Monday night, as we know. But um, as much to our surprise, late on Monday night, we get the news then that um, they decided to cut ties and uh, Michael Duff's no longer Swans manager. And uh, his final game, um, probably one of the most dominant in his time here, to be honest with you. But that, you know, the fact that we couldn't get a win from it just speaks volumes about where we're really at at the moment, both in. Uh, Tactics-wise and confidence-wise, we we don't really seem to have a kind of belief at the moment, and um, you know the right decision was made in the end. Yeah, I mean, I think sometimes you can yeah you can say that we dominated and, and, and all this type of thing, but I didn't think we were brilliant. Like, I mean, I'd look at Ips, the Ipswich away game where I think we did have more of the ball than them, but it never felt like we were the better team. It felt like every time we can see the possession that they were getting in on goal and, and putting us under real pressure. So. You know, I, th- I think Duff sometimes his interpretation of, you know, what's good um, doesn't align with what maybe we do. So yeah, you can have all all the ball in the world, but you've got to, you know, make use of it, haven't you? I mean, that's the I think that sort of, sort of shows the fundamental, you know, differences between him and and what you know the fan base think. You're not to me what has made the club successful. He's not on the same page as us. I mean, the fact is, if the opposition just surrender and sit deep, then you know, you'll go into and and they're winning. You're going to end up having all of the balls. So, you know, but we didn't do enough with it, as I've already said. And um, you know, I, th- I think the fact that we were, you know, did look largely clueless, and we've ended up, you know, not winning the game, is probably why he's he's en- ultimately ended up out of a job. I think realistically, you know, it isn't just going to be what happened on Saturday. It's going to be what's happened all season, really, and. You know, the, the fact is they must have at least had their doubts before the game on uh, Saturday. And obviously now they decided to um, to act upon it this week. So um, obviously, as we said in the previous podcast, really, I think it's the right move for everybody. And I think I, I, I think Duff may well do a decent job somewhere else. I mean, for especially if he drops into League One, for example, but it wasn't going to work here. And I think we've done the right thing, uh, cutting our losses, even though, of course, it is going to cost us a few quid isn't it yeah it will and um, you know if we go and pick up someone who's at another club it's going to cost us a few quid more um, we'll talk about that in a little bit um, first of all uh, Alan Sheehan is staying out of the backroom staff um, is that a surprise to you um, I suppose the thing with Sheehan is unlike the other two he did move and commit to Swansea so he could well be more of a um, a Paul Watson appointment as opposed to a Michael Duff one, which is, is how I see it really. So I can't say I'm overly shocked that Sheehan has um, stepped up to the reins. I mean, look, whether it's a good decision or not, time will tell, I suppose. But um, look, I, th- I think Sheehan has done the bare minimum in terms of he, he has been here all the time. So I can understand why he's been chosen. I think you know, it was between him and Chris O'Leary really, wasn't it? And, um, you know, they've gone for Sheehan and, um, no, I, I don't think he'll be in the job for particularly long. I think it could well be that. Well, I, I don't. I think we might well appoint a manager before the game on Saturday, but I think now 
it's Wednesday night. They'll do full training tomorrow, I would have thought, and then maybe something on Friday morning before they make the long journey up to Yorkshire for the Rotherham game. But, I mean, I can't see a new manager taking a session now, so I think the smart money would be on um, Sheehan being in charge completely now for the next few days, including the game Saturday. And then maybe a new manager coming in on Monday to hit the ground running, really. So, you know, but what, obviously when a new man comes in, they have their own ideas. Sometimes they want to bring their own people in. So, you know, I, what will happen with Sheehan on the long term is it's hard to tell, really. But um, he's definitely going to be in charge on on Saturday. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, and Saturday's game is another one of those you have to circle, double circle and triple circle in the fixture calendar and say... These are ones you can identify and say there's points there for us. If we approach it with the right attitude, frustrating in the end that if this was the outcome of Duff's tenure, then that it did not happen seven, eight, nine days earlier with the winnable games coming up under a fresh face. Having said that, um, you know, Rotherham is another one of those. And if there has been, has been widely reported, um, arguments, discontent and not really singing from the same hymn sheet behind closed doors at Swansea City, then um, this is an opportunity to show and broadcast to the world that um, that they they aren't just gone terrible players overnight and these they, they can reunite now and, and come under fresh impetus and, and, and show the Swans fans that um, the season won't end in the same way it's begun. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting, I think, on um, the weekend. Quite often you get a situation, don't you, where you know, the, the manager was gone and even if a caretaker is in charge, which is what's going to happen. Um, but you might get the caretaker thinks a little bit differently to the previous regime and, you know, might pick one or two players that have been out of favour, um, may set up slightly differently. And, and sometimes that can, you know, just give everyone a bit of a jolt. There might be a couple of players that think I've been out of favour and, you know, it's more of a, they might have more of an opportunity to get in. And, you know, the training could be sharper this week. I mean, you, you don't know, do you, really? But um, it's interesting because we're going up against a team that are in a similar position. They've they've changed their manager and they've not appointed anybody yet either. So, you know, but this is, it's going to be a, a big game, isn't it? I mean, Rotherham are struggling. They need points. And, you know, whereas we've got that gap to the bottom three at the moment, it has closed up over the last week or so because QPR had back-to-back wins. And that could be another reason why um, Duff ended up getting the boot because, I mean, if that gap was still close to 10 points, they may have gone, well, let's give him a bit more time because we're not really feeling the pressure from below. But um, obviously with those two wins, we're now five points above after the draw on Saturday. You know, we are closer than we'd, we'd like to be and we certainly didn't expect to be down uh, in this position in the table coming into the Christmas period, really. So, um, but yes, yeah, it's, look, it's, it's a big game Saturday, isn't it? I mean, we're... We're going to be properly then into, you know, a run of a lot of games. I'm trying to think. I think there's three games next week, obviously. Then we play on a Friday and then obviously the, you know, the Boxing Day game, another Friday game and then a New Year's Day game. So, I mean, you're looking at about eight games now over the course of the next three weeks. And that table can change quite dramatically. I mean, you could, obviously, we could be proper sucked into it or we could end up into the top half and, you know, looking the other way or it could be a bit of uh, in between, couldn't it? So, you know, this this is going to be a crucial period for us, really, now. And um, But Saturday's a big game. It certainly doesn't feel like a free hit. It feels like a game where we need to try and get something out of if we can, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And Rotherham will be looking at it the same way. But Rotherham, um, they come into this division every other year and they exit it most times when they do get here. So it's not like um, they are, um, they're going to be 
fighting valiantly, it would be an absolute unmitigated disaster for us to end up in that bottom three um, come May time. For them, they've got that bounce back between League One and the Championship. We cannot hit this free fall button that we've been doing the last six, seven, eight years as a club. Um, we really need to make sure that we kick on, um, change the manager. It was the right decision. And I say, even though in hindsight, looking back at this decision and it's made, I would like, now it's obvious we can't, shouldn't have come in the summer and whatever, he could have got sacked three or four games ago. But I think he was it, the decision was made at the right time because, as I said in the other podcast, there can't be any complaints now. You know, he's had the games, he's had the opportunities, he's had the players being given to him. Yes, we've had injuries, everyone's had injuries, um, but we haven't dealt with it um, as well as other teams and we've made silly mistakes and personal mistakes and we haven't shown the sort of football that we were promised in the summer. Um, so I think the timing was right for this. Um, we're going into those games now at Christmas period, as you say, and um, it's an opportunity for us. As you say, we could end up um, 10th, 11th after that, going into January, and all of a sudden you're saying, well, we've got the January window now. The board have made it absolutely clear. They've put their money where their mouth is in the summer when they brought in a whole host of new players of fresh blood and stuff. They made their intentions known that they intend to do that again um, in January to strengthen the squad where it needs strengthening. New manager will hopefully be in place to be overseeing five or six of those games, Steve, um, as in the dugout themselves, giving themselves plenty of chance on the pitch and in the training ground to assess the squad. Because there won't be differences in players and differences in opinions um, over what players are going to make the cut. Yeah, I think this would be a good time really for a new manager to come in because if a manager comes in during January, for example, you're trying to assess what you've got and obviously then maybe what you might need. So, you know, a new manager now, particularly at this time where there's so many games in a short period, um, he will be able to see quite a few of them. I think maybe not as much time on the training ground as he would have liked because of the travelling and obviously the amount of games we're going to play. But at the same time, I'm sure a manager would rather come in at this point rather than a month down the line. So um, I think that does give him a, a decent chance to um, to assess what he's got and, and maybe go from there in terms of what he might want to bring in. So, um, you know, I, it certainly could be worse. I mean, you, and there's plenty of time to turn this season around. I mean, I look, I'd be very surprised if we could get anywhere near that top six or anything like that. But there is, you know, we're, there's over half the season to go here. Yeah? We're in a... We're in a position that we we don't want to be in, and we feel where we should be higher than where we are, or we're certainly capable of going higher than where we are. But um, you know, this manager now does have some time to to bed in, doesn't he? So um, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that. And judging from who's been linked as well, it, from my point of view, it does feel as if we are going to go down more of a a traditional Swansea type of manager, ones that have been successful, you ones that have got a philosophy, maybe looking um, that have coached, but looking to come in for a first time job, um, put themselves in the shop window. And that's the type of risk that we've taken in the past. And quite often it's paid off. I mean, I would describe them as a calculated gamble. And, um, you know, if we've got someone like that, what you do know is that if you're giving someone a first chance, they will work as hard as anybody because they know if this chance goes badly, they may not get another one to be a manager. They may well get one to be a coach. But, you know, quite often a lot of first-time managers, if they get sacked after a short period or whatever, they don't get another job. So 
I'd be amazed then if someone like that didn't come in here and put their proper heart and soul into it rather than, uh, shall we say, living 100 miles away. Yeah, yeah. And I think the difference perhaps here, um, go back to Martinez, who came in um, towards the end of the season to replace Kenny Jacket. But normally when you're appointing a manager who's going to bring in a new way of thinking and a new playing style, Ideally, you want to give them the summer, you want to give them pre-season, you want to give them the chance to get the fitness levels to where they expect them to be. Um, that's not going to be the luxury for whoever takes over Swansea City. They're going to have to hit the ground running, go straight into competitive games. Um, so some of the names we've heard, we've heard that John Eustace wouldn't be interested, that the, the club have got to the point where they would offer him the position again. That's pure speculation at the point. And as everything is speculation, uh, a couple of the names that have come to the front um and this is moving minute by minute. But one person that has stuck around the top for most of the day is Chris Davis. We spoke about him yesterday on the other pod, Steve. Um, he was here under Rogers uh, as an analyst, and he came in, as uh, he, he took then um, Chris to Leicester with him. And then when Leicester got relegated and obviously Rogers left, he ended up joining Foster Coglu at Spurs and is highly rated, highly thought of. He's worked with the right men in football. And um, he comes with a sort of um, philosophy that um, you've been talking about all season. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he was you know, a minimal part, really, of Rogers' team when he first came here. That was his, his first role, wasn't it? But then, you know, I think as time went on, um, particularly when they went to Celtic, he became the assistant manager responsible for a lot of the, uh, the training sessions. Same at Leicester then. I mean, he could have had the job in the summer. If I'm honest, I would have been up for that. I thought that would have been a, you know, a, a decent move for us. But obviously, that didn't happen. He went to Tottenham, and I think Spurs have been one of the the best sides to watch this season. Really, they've, you know, they, they've certainly taken an interest in approaching games. I mean, they've been exciting to watch. I bet a lot of Spurs fans have enjoyed this season more than the last four or five. And um, you know, he's been part of that backroom team. So hopefully gaining a bit more now under a different manager, obviously, but one with a similar philosophy to Rogers. Um, hopefully we'll add a bit more strings to his bow then as well. So look, I, I think that's a calculated gamble to give him a, a chance, but it's one I'm more than willing to take. I, I think he could be a good manager for us. Um, for me, if he, if he wants it, he's realistic and is willing to properly commit to it, as I'm sure he would be, because he, he would know that, this would be a good opportunity for him if he wants to be um, a number one. We've always got to remember there's only 92 jobs in the country and we are in the top half of those jobs. So anyone that does want to be a manager, you know, if you haven't had a job before, you know, a lot of them would be interested in this job. So, you know, I'd be surprised if, if he wants to be a number one, if he if he's offered it, if he didn't take it, because like I said, this then you don't get too many opportunities. To, to, a lot of clubs won't go down this route. We've seen so many of them go down the, the tried and trusted route. You've only got to look up the road um, to see that this isn't something that they particularly do. But we have done it, and we've done it to great success, even if it's not been a literal first-time manager like it was with Roberto Martinez. And I'd argue Steve Cooper was, really, because he'd only managed youth teams. But you're looking at Brendan Rodgers, was mainly a coach, but had had six months at Watford, six months at Reading as a number one. Um, obviously Graham Potter had been successful abroad but hadn't managed in this country Russell Martin had only managed for 18 months or so but we tend to go down that route don't we but it's it's worked for us so I, I've always said this if we deviate from the Swansea way 
it doesn't tend to go very well. So let's return to it and uh, let's see how we get on. Yeah, and, and I suppose we've changed, rethink our goals for this season. I, I'm adamant this team is still a top uh, top twelve team. It could be the one as ones of the ones that you're looking at coming to March, April time, and you're thinking with a good run of form, you know, we could do it. But um, I think the way that season is, the season has gone so far. I think this might actually be a blessing in disguise because it would give any prospective new manager with the right head on his shoulders and the right way of um, Play in as well, uh, an opportunity to. Well, you're not going to get this many places, but if he shows the right way of playing, he's got a six month free hit. As long as we stay up this division and maybe finish around mid table ish, then, um, then he goes into it having an opportunity to work in possibly two transfer windows before you have a free hit at it and you have a proper go at it um, next season from the off. But that's not to write off this season by any stretch, but his first and foremost job is to get us away from the bottom three. And that's why this will be a risk. Um, it's a risk that a lot of Swans fans you can see on social media are willing to take. Um, you don't want a firefighter man to come in because we will be doing exactly this job again in the summer, trying to replace them because that's not the long-term plan for the club. Um, other names uh, that fit that sort of philosophy as well. Um, you're talking um, Eric Ramsey, ex-academy manager here. We spoke about him yesterday as well. My night did was also at Wales. Um, Brian Barry Murphy's popped up in the in the running today as well. Um, worked in the uh, youth setup at Man City under Pep Guardiola and uh, took a Rochdale job. So I'm thinking there's player managers around the place that are young, ambitious and determined and don't by any means feel like they've made it yet. And those seem to be the ones towards the top of the betting at the moment, which suggests in some sense that if there is anything in it, that we're looking back to the tried and tested from our perspective of go with young, hungry and ambitious. Yeah, it certainly looks that way, doesn't it? I mean, there was an, an article by Gareth Vincent on um, BBC earlier, wasn't it? And that alluded to the fact that... Um, that's the route that we want to go down. So, um, yeah, I mean, it certainly looks that way. I, I think we've we've learned a bit of a harsh lesson, really, or should I say the, the new people at the top of the club have learned a harsh lesson. Um, they've tried to do things a, a different way and they've realised that, you know, it, it hasn't worked and um, I think now they're reverting the type. So, um, you know, it's an expensive lesson, unfortunately. But at least now they have learnt it, and hopefully they won't make the same mistake again. So, you know, let's let's go down this route with, you know, but let's be realistic. It probably does sound like Chris Davis is going to get the job. I think the the bookies odds and a couple of those articles, like that one by Gareth Vincent, do suggest he's he's a big favourite. So, yeah, I'm. But if it's him, I'm I'm all for it. As I've already said, I think that would be a a good appointment. But um, let's hope it's done. You know, as soon as possible, really. And um, like I say, he won't have time to do a lot this week, but be good if he's at the game Saturday and then on Monday morning um, he's in charge and uh, a new era begins. Absolutely. Well, as we wrap up, Steve, um, this is probably going to be the easiest one I throw at you all season. Of course, I ask you something positive for me to end the podcast with. Well, this is an open goal, isn't it? Um, do I do an Aidan Newhouse here and go for something else? 
<laughs> well, I'd be very surprised if he don't end up with the fact that our manager's being replaced as we speak. Yeah, exactly. I think it's the obvious positive now is a lot of us, I think, were, were unhappy with Michael Duff, didn't want him in the job, didn't think he was the right man for us. We've made that change. It sounds like we're going to bring in more of a footballing manager. So, you know, let's be positive about that. And, um, you know, let's hope that that is the case and we get the... Uh, you know, the deal done uh, fairly quickly and, um, yeah, hopefully then onwards and upwards. There we go. Fab. And I think everyone will agree with that. Whatever your thoughts on Michael Duff were, it's now time to look forward and see what the Swans have got to offer. Certainly following his sacking, Andy Coleman said the right things in his announcement uh, about looking back to what makes Swansea City's identity so important to the city and making sure they get it right this time. So fingers crossed, is a man true to his words? They identify the right man. Haven't even mentioned the other name around the top of the bet. And I will not let those words, that name, pass through my lips. And I'm not going to do it on this podcast either. So let's just forget about that one. But for myself and Steve, we'll speak to you soon. And hopefully, we'll be chatting about a new man in the dugout. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye. (laughs) 